You're listening to a podcast of spurious morality. And don't worry, we've hidden Connor's recorder. And welcome to a podcast of spurious morality. I'm Johnston and I'm joined this week by Connor. Hello. And we're here to do a, a sequel to a an episode we did in our first series. Uh, we discussed the early adventures featuring the first Doctor and we're now going to discuss early adventures featuring the second Doctor. Um, so early adventures, I, I miss early adventures. I thought they were a great range. Um, it was really good to hear sort of original um, original cast members in 60s adventures with bits of narration and sort of Peter Purvis and Fraser Hines were excellent versions of their Doctor. And you can't criticise William Russell's uh, Doctor either, his first Doctor. So, um, yeah, it's I, I liked the early adventures. It's a shame they're no longer with us, but it's... It's always good to sort of go back and discuss these ranges that sadly we have no more. So um, let's let's get going with a quick question to you, Connor. What's your favourite second Doctor early adventure? It's it's difficult to pick because there's a couple of really strong ones. Um, I've only just recently listened to the Wreck of the World, um, which sort of. I, I remember there being a lot of buzz about it at the time. Like it seemed to be really, really popular um, and rightly so, because it's fantastic. Um, I probably would home in and I know it's the big multi-doctor one, but the daughter or uh, yeah, daughter of the gods is, is, is just superb. Um, combines the first and second doctors in a really unique and worthwhile way. Um, and I, I, I highly recommend it to everybody. So yeah, I, w- I would probably pick Daughter of the Gods because I feel like it because it has all you know it has the two years, it has most of the principal cast members from the range as well. Um, that feels like you know it feels like the perfect encapsulation of the range um, because it's doing you know both sides is doing the first and the second Doctor at the same time. Um, and it's a fantastic story to boot. It's um, it's an incredibly good story, yeah. And we kind of talked about it from the first Doctor's perspective last time, but it's it's so damn good that we can talk about it again now from the second Doctor's perspective. Um, it's definitely a highlight of the range. I think it's probably the the crowning achievement of the early adventures, really. And it it feels like as we've said in the past, sort of a fifth anniversary special that we never got. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's absolutely great. It's a really, really enjoyable story. Um, 
I'm going to actually sort of shout up with another one, though, which was quite odd for the early adventures range. It did a few things that other stories definitely didn't. Uh, that's the Black Hole. Uh, it's the only story to feature Victoria. Um, I think Deborah Watlin very sadly died not long afterwards. Um, but it's also like a full-blown Time Lord story. Uh, the monk is the villain and there are other Time Lords in it. It completely reveals the Doctor's origins. Uh, and there's a bit of a cheeky mind wipe at the end. It sort of attempts to uh, find a place for uh, the two Doctors as well. Uh, it's sort of heavily implied to take place during this story. I think if anyone was doing a, an honest second Doctor marathon, they'd probably listen to the first two parts, go to a few other stories where the Doctor and Jamie are solo, and then come back round to do the last two parts of The Black Hole. It's also notable for having um, a narrator that's not among the cast. It's narrated by David Warner, who just seemed to sort of be randomly thrown in there. I quite like it. And as it's the first story that we're down to discuss today, let's go straight to it. Uh, what are your thoughts on The Black Hole, Connor? I've always been a little bit conflicted about it. Um, so I was, whenever I was first getting into the early adventures range, I was a little bit apprehensive because it was it was the um, you know it wasn't William Hartnell and Patrick Triton. You know, I think at that stage I'd only really listened to Big Finish starring there. You know, the original actors. Um, so I thought I would get two releases just to sort of test. You know, dip my toe into the water and see see how how it went. Um, I got the black hole and I got the Sontarans. Um, so I got a first Doctor story and a second Doctor story. Um, the black hole. The other reason for getting it was I hadn't really done any stories with the meddling monk in any medium, um, and they announced that he was going to be in uh, Doom Coalition, um, uh, uh, the, the last box set. And I thought, right, it was I, I, I'd like to know who he is um, going into that. Um, so I got the black hole, which was Rufus Hound's first story as the monk. I really like Rufus Hound as the monk, and the reveal that it builds up to in this. I think it's fair to say you probably don't see it coming because it starts off as this sort of Time Lord story. There's a new Time Lord character, then about halfway through, you get to that cliffhanger where things, you know, Victoria starts to work out that everything's not quite as it's been made to seem. Uh, the Doctor and Jamie have 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 believed pretty much everything. Victoria has spotted something is slightly awry, and it's revealed then that this this new Time Lord is actually the monk in disguise, and it's a really really cool reveal. I don't think they'd announced that beforehand. I think a lot of people went into that not knowing that the monk was going to be in it, so that was very cool as well. I'm all for that sort of reveal. Um, I think there are other stories I'd maybe go to before I'd go to this one. Um, but that's not to say it's bad in any way, and it is lovely to have one with um Deborah Watling playing Victoria again. Um, and I am a big fan of that David Warner narration that you mentioned as well. I think that's actually quite effective. Sometimes, um, you know, when Fraser Hines or Peter Purvis is narrating, it does get a little bit distracting because you're aware that they're suddenly doing three voices, um, and it starts to stretch slightly. I liked that this let. Fraser focus on just playing the Doctor and Jamie because he does those two voices really well, um, and it's just transitioning between them sometimes. Um, where I where I 
come out of it slightly. So be, him being able to focus on those and have somebody else do the narration was a really effective choice. I actually really liked it. I'd have loved to have heard more with David Warner uh, on you know narrating these. You certainly get the uh, impression that it was a, a bit of an experiment for the range and it, it's something that they just didn't carry on with, which I actually find quite surprising because it does work. Um, and part of me wishes they'd have just had David Warner narrate the entire range from this point onwards. <laughs> um, it, it, it works incredibly well. It, it does make sense to have a narrator that's disconnected from the rest of the cast for exactly the reasons that you sort of suggested there. Um, and I just think that there's, there is something to be said for it. And it's kind of a shame that they never returned to it. And I do like the way that narration is used later on. It's also worth pointing out that they kind of reduced the amount of narration after the first two series of early adventures. There's notably less um, afterwards. And I think it's the sort of, they started to maybe trust the actors that were doing the dual role of the Doctor and their companion a little bit more. Um, I'm not sure, but I, I think there's noticeably less in series three, four, etc. Um, and I think it sort of it benefits from that. I'm, you know, it's. I'm glad there is narration there. I do think narration helps this kind of story, but at the same time. It, it could have almost been done as full cast. The only thing stopping it from being full cast is the fact that the Doctor in this case has been played by Fraser Hines, uh, as is Jamie. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it, it's a good one. Um, I, I definitely knew that Rufus Hound was going to be the monk when I went into it, but I'm not sure if that was the case on release. I think it was kind of speculated that he was playing the monk when it was released but there was no actual confirmation so when we get to that part two cliffhanger it, it was intended as a surprise to anybody that listened to it on day one I think but I do seem to remember reading some speculation uh, before it came out that that's that's who he was going to play that this was a new incarnation of the monk um, but then again they didn't actually confirm that the monk was going to be in uh, the secret history, even though there's a monk on the cover and Graham Garden <laughs> was in it. So it's maybe we're just very easily tricked into not being convinced it's the monk when it obviously is. I don't know. Uh, the other thing with this story is as well, and Simon Garrier has confirmed that this was his intention, um, but Constable Pavo is actually the master according to Simon Guerrier, uh, like a pre-Delgado hasn't taken the name Master, hasn't gone Renegade yet. Um, but that was his intention. That was a that was a pre-Delgado version of the Master. I've not heard that one before, but that's quite interesting. I quite like that. Um, she sees the one does all the hypnotising as well, so that does actually sort of tie in there. Yeah, it's it's certainly more subtle than Hound as the Monk, <laughs> you know, as I was saying before. But yeah, I quite like that. That's that's a nice little thing to consider. I'm going to buy that. That's good. Yes. <laughs> nice little bit of continuity to just add to the the headcanon there. Um, but yeah, I, I think that there's sort of an awful lot to be enjoyed in this story. And I think that it's it's an early highlight of the range. I think that perhaps the new adventures 
the new adventures. And that's what we're on now. Uh, I think that perhaps the early adventures um, served the first Doctor better than the second, particularly to start with. It's something we'll talk about more later on. But I think this is kind of the first example in the range of sort of as getting a second Doctor story that's that's a bit interesting and a bit different and, you know, shows that the second Doctor does have his place in this range and there are further stories that can be told with him as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I do quite like this one. Um, we'll move on, though. And we'll move on to um, another great story. And one of one thing I really, really love about the early adventures is we basically get an extra season of Ben and Polly uh, and Jamie as the companions. Um, ben was just so well recast. Elliot Chapman was fantastic. It's perhaps the best recast Big Finish have done. I'm not sure there'd be many that disagree with that, really. Um but uh, one story that I really sort of wanted to zero in on is uh, the Night Witches, which um, it's it's completely historical, and it 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 could just slip perfectly into uh, season four. It kind of plays with a lot of things that Doctor Who was playing with at the time. It has a character that looks almost identical to Polly, and everybody gets the two mixed up. It's a nice sort of tense historical thriller. There's definitely sort of a whiff of the Highlanders in there. And um, I, I don't think that in the time of season four, they'd have made a World War II story, um, really, because it was particularly recent history at that point. But I do think that um, the kind of story it is would fit in quite nicely. So talk to us about the Night Witches, Connor. I'm a big fan of this one. Um, it's I I used to be, um, in in my younger days as a Doctor Who fan, used to be quite snobby about pure historicals because I was coming to Doctor Who for aliens and sci-fi and time travel first and foremost, and sort of resented that you had to you know if you wanted to watch a series you have to go through the historical ones. That was that was that was how I was. Um, the early adventures definitely were a key thing in changing my mind on that front um and it is stories like the night witches that that have sort of uh, made me appreciate the the historical side of doctor who a bit more um it's a great story i have looked into to the history surrounding it and while i think the night witches as a group were you know were real i don't know that any of the characters who appear in this were you know real characters so it's sort of a pseudo historical in that way um but it's 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 absolutely fantastic um the the polly doppelganger storyline does help it i think um sort of gives it that slight uncanniness and 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 strangeness that that doctor who has um and that's played really really well um annika wills does a fantastic job playing um you know tatiana pretend i think it was tatiana as uh, the name of the character uh, you know playing both polly and tatiana pretending to be polly um and it's 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 a lot of fun to hear those two characters interacting and then you know, it starts off that they're 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 very friendly and they're both enjoying this. You know that they find their doppelganger, um. But it turns a little bit sinister then as as Tatiana tries to 
um, take Polly's place and take her, you know, that that she can escape the war instead of Polly. So yes, I really really like this one. Um, it's a different take on World War Two. You know, when we talk about Doctor Who and World War Two, you think of the Empty Child, you think of um, London and the Blitz and 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 that sort of thing. So I like that we're getting this story that from from my point of view or my perspective at least is a little bit lesser told. Um, it's on you know it's in the Russian lines. Um, it's it's not the traditional Doctor Who World War Two story with the sort of the more British imagery. Um, so that's a big plus as well. You get a lot of historical stories that are centered around big events or that kind of thing, you know, thinking of things like the massacre or um, uh, the reign of terror, which both France on the, uh, you know, you get quite a few stories that are based around a historical event. Whereas this is, is much more human. This is set during a period of notable period of history. Um, but it's, it's very much about characters sort of desperate to survive, stabbing each other in the back, not trusting each other. And it's it works on that level very well, I think. And the doppelganger thing obviously adds a nice little twist to that um, because you've got characters pretending to be somebody they're not. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's a very sort of character-led story and I think that works quite well. It does have its action sequences, but I think it's that sort of character stuff that kind of really... Um, really is its strength. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it's a great little story and it, it just shows that there's quite a lot that can be done with the early adventures and that I, you know, I genuinely do believe that the Season 4 team are one of the best TARDIS teams ever. I, I love the Polly, Ben and Jamie dynamic and it perhaps never got uh, never got to be realised to its full potential on TV just because of the way it was produced at the time and with Jamie being a last minute addition and it always sort of ended up with one of them being written out or, you know, missing from episodes or story, that kind of thing. It's So it's quite nice that that team have had this second run where they all do get a sort of fair slice of the action. Um, and while this is a polycentric story, there is still stuff for Ben and Jamie to be doing as well. And there are also other stories in the range that focus on Ben and focus on Jamie. And it's just, it's really, really good to kind of give a second life to a TARDIS team that was maybe a bit underutilised in the 60s. Uh, Let's move on. Let's move on to uh, the next one, which is uh, one of your favourites, I believe, Connor, The Wreck of the World. So talk to us about that. Yes, this was um, as I said earlier. This I remember there being a, a great deal of excitement uh, about this one coming out. Um, it's it's absolutely superb. It doesn't, I think. Part of the reason I think this one's so good is that it is one of the few early adventures that doesn't try to be a sixty story. It feels a little bit harder, a little bit more modern. Um, and and I, I think that's it, it's great to hear the second doctor and his companions in that sort of story. Um I really like that Zoe gets to meet someone who's like herself, um, you know, in in, in, in the sense of the, the different enhancements and, and whatnot that have been done to them. Um that's a great, you know, she, she and twenty start off very, very sort of almost antagonistic towards each other 
but they grow over the course of the story to be really, really firm friends. And you get the impression that there could have been more if if their time hadn't been so limited together here. Um, that's fantastic. That works really, really well. Um, the different guest characters here are all very, very well drawn, very well defined. Um, and I, it's 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 a testament to it that you can remember them all very distinctly. Um, the professor and and uh, Professor Blavatsky in particular, I like that she sort of homes in on the doctor, realizes that he's a time traveler, and you know uses her or seems you do you know to to try and get answers out of him about history and future history because that's her 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 occupation, that's her interest. But she ultimately then is revealed as the main villain. And it's a really, really great performance. It's really creepy um, uh, to hear her commanding the sleepers um, and and invoking the Corvus's name to to do so. Um, I really like that. It's a great performance. Um, and the, the world as well. So the world is, is the ship in this story. Um, it feels massive, like it, in the description, in the narration, and in the sound engineering. Like it feels like an absolutely gargantuan ship. And Doctor Who doesn't often do that sort of scale, um, or it feels like it doesn't do that sort of scale where you have this. It it is a world ship, um, it is absolutely gargantuan, and it's it's not your typical space liner or space cruiser or or whatever you want to call it. So I I I like that this story does something a little bit different. It does something. You know, it sort of breaks out of the bounds of what could have been realised on screen in nineteen sixty, whatever, um, and 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 just goes for this modern or what feels like a more modern science fiction story, um, but still has that you know Doctor Who heart to it. So I I really really enjoy this one. It's interesting you should say that it's quite unlike a a 60s story in some ways, because actually I think it really is. I think it fits the era really well. It's the sort of thing I can believe them doing in in sort of season six. I think season six specifically as well. Um, it definitely plays with some big concepts, some concepts that would have been really, really ambitious to try and realise in in the late 60s. But I, I um, it's sort of in some ways it's comparable to the arc, in some ways it's comparable to... I guess even the space pirates in places, uh, but it, it's yeah, it is its own thing, and it is this range again doing something a bit different, and uh, it's it's nice that there is that balance between the early adventures doing something nice and traditional, and the early adventures doing something that you wouldn't have normally got in the sixties. It's very easy to go to sixties who and do right, you know, let's do a historical, let's do sixties style sci fi, bit pulpy. Flash Gordon, whatever, um, but this does this does sort of just operate on a slightly more complex level than any of that. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a really really enjoyable story, um, and it's it's good to see Zoe in this range as well because there aren't a lot of stories with Zoe in the early adventures, and I do quite like Zoe as a companion. I like the season six team. Um, and obviously, really, the range kind of it focused more on season four set stuff than season six set stuff. Um, so when we do get a Zoe story, it is always quite nice, of course. Um, and it's it's a good one. Um, should we move on to the Home Guard? 
Yes, let's let's do the home guard. So this one was there's a lot going on in this one. Um obviously it's one of those stories that starts off with none of the regular cast members or none of the regular characters I should say knowing who they are. They're all in this scenario. Um and it goes on for quite a while. Like we have stories where this starts and it kind of it's all changed by the end of the first or second episode, but this keeps it going for quite a while. It takes a long time for the characters to remember who they are and identify that the master is the threat and all that kind of thing. It's also a prequel to the war games, which I think is quite interesting. Um, you know, it's actually quite a similar story in many ways. It kind of, in the last episode, goes off in a direction that maybe. 60s Doctor Who couldn't or wouldn't have achieved. Um, but yeah, it's 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 another interesting story and it's another interesting thing to do with this TARDIS team. I think the most interesting thing it does is when it has all of the characters kind of displaced and playing, playing other characters, I guess, um, it has Jamie and Polly as the husband and wife and obviously Ben and Polly are the ones that everybody has been sort of putting together for the last 50 years. So it's it's a nice little twist on that. And I think it works quite well, actually. Talk to us about the Home Guard, Connor. Um, yes, I really enjoy this one. Um, it's, it's, I think, one of the biggest thing it has, or one of the biggest things it has going for it, not just um, in the story, but on the cover as well. It borrows a lot from Dad's Army. And that makes it really, really easy to visualize. There's a couple of reference points that you can sort of pull over, um, for, you know, from having seen Dad's Army. Um, so the 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 church they 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 do use a church hall, um, which has a you know a main hall, and then it has a little side office. Um, like there's no point if you've seen Dad's Army, there's no way you listen to this story, and you don't visualize it with the Doctor Who cast on the Dad's Army sets. You know what I mean? Um, even on the cover as well, there's the little Union Jack arrows, which are pulled straight from the Dad's Army title sequence. Um, so I I quite like that there's almost a little bit of a crossover going on there, or at least paying very uh, heavy you know homage to Dad's Army. Um, so that's that's a big plus as well. Um, the Doctor takes on the sort of Captain Mannering role. Um. Uh, instructing these troops but there's this sinister undertone to it um that is it's 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 deliberately put there by the master to try and um shape the people that he has under his control here you know he's, he's manipulating them he's trying to encourage this sort of war spirit um but you do get that sense of dread and um you know that atmosphere is very well developed uh, is what i mean uh, the dread and the suspense and the the feeling that this community is under attack, even though it's not actually that way in reality, as as the characters discover. Um. So yes, that's very good. It's 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 a great story for Ben. Actually, he's centered really well here. Um, from the first episode, um, it it follows Ben as he comes into this community. Um, even though he's been sort of conditioned to accept it all as reality and he has the sort of false memories to accompany it. Um, he's sort of presented as the main character through the first couple of episodes, at least. And it's Ben who 
eventually, I think it's Ben who snaps out of the illusion first and realizes that the character is being manipulated by the master. Um, I, I quite like that it's set up with the master and the doctor, you know, where the master has sort of replaced the doctor as the leader of this little settlement. Um, and that's the doctor that the suspicion is falling on from the other characters. Um, even though it's, it's obvious to us as listeners, what's going on. Um, so that's a cool little sort of reversion of things where it's the master as the community leader trying to oust the doctor as the, the, the traitor, um, you know, the, the traitor or the spy as, 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 as he frames him as. So that's really, really well done. Um, I do keep coming back to this story, uh, quite frequently, actually. I do enjoy that it's, I, I, I saw the war games for the first time, just about the start of this year. I had heard this story before. They do tie in really well together. The master does say that he's working for a higher power, um, in this and that it, it, it matches up. It connects really, really, really well on to the war games, um, as a sort of trial run of what's going on there and the master sort of perfecting his technique before going for the, the, the full run of it in the war games. So I, 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 I know it's become a bit of a, an argument for Doctor Who fans to say, oh, the war chief was actually the master. Um, etc etc and i used to roll my eyes and say well obviously you know, they're two different characters you listen to this and then you watch the war games and i don't there's a lot i i i i never like taking sides on that sort of thing but it does tie in very well with the master being the war chief uh, in the war games so that, that you know this story does if you're if you follow on the big finish is is quote unquote canon and and um, that's the sort of thing that you go in for. It does tie up those loose ends, and it does make that connection pretty much solid, even if it doesn't say it explicitly. Yeah, it, it's. It, I've always sort of uh, been happy to accept that the War Chief is a different character, but then I heard this, and suddenly sort of thought, oh yeah, you know, it could fit, couldn't it? And there's no reason he's not. There's no reason he is. Kind of thing. It's does it get boring to name every time Lord as the master? It's it's a funny old debate, really. It's it's nice to sort of make that link, and it's nice to sort of think. Well, the second Doctor did have a story with the master uh, on TV, but um, it, it's it, it's one of those things I think that doesn't actually matter. Like it doesn't it doesn't matter whether the master is the war chief or vice versa. Um, but it's something that this story does seem to hint at. Yeah, I, th- I think that's definitely the direction it's going in. And that is indeed the second time the new adventures have kind of given us a character that may well be the master or, you know, well, no, it's not. It's the first time, but obviously it's got us debating whether the war chief is as well. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, obviously the master has been given quite a big influence over the second Doctor era by the early adventures. Um, but it's, yeah, it's. I'm still sort of on the fence about it. I still like to consider the War Chief as a a separate character, but it's certainly, I'm not offended by the idea of him being the master all along. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's just interesting. It's interesting to sort of consider these things. 
Um, but yeah, it, it's a good old story. It, it's my only complaint would be maybe it takes a little bit long to get going, but then again, at the same time, the conditioning is part of the story, is part of the idea, and it's uh, it, it does give us sort of another way of looking at these characters, and it, like you say, it gives Ben the chance to be the lead for a little bit, which is again the early adventures doing something that the TV series never really got got to do. Um, so yeah, it's it's a good old story. Um, and now we're going to talk about the early adventure that immediately followed it. It's one that we've already agreed is brilliant. It's one that we talked about when we talked about the first Doctor, but it, it's Daughter of the Gods. It is a second Doctor story, really. It was released in a second Doctor series. He's the, quotation marks, current Doctor while it's on, that sort of thing. Um, I, I think Daughter of the Gods is excellent. I think it just balances so much and it really does give absolutely everybody involved something to do it's a great story for for jamie for zoe for the second doctor for uh Stephen, katarina and the first doctor it, it's sort of the jewel in the crown of the range and i think it's quite fitting that we've sort of highlighted it as a favorite in both of these episodes now um so daughter of the gods go for it as i said this feels like um the perfect encapsulation of the range as a whole. Um, I'm actually surprised. Uh, the way I had remembered this was it was the last one that was released, and that felt you know deliberate. Uh, but that that's that that that's that's not true. There was a, a, a second short series of first Doctor stories after this one. Um, I really like it. I really like that it it finds a, a worthwhile reason to exist in bringing back Katarina and letting the Doctor, the second Doctor in particular, explore the impact of, um, you know, her time in the TARDIS and, and, and what happened to her. Um, it's it's really very well done. Um, there's that little scene where he takes her aside. It must be in the fourth, third or fourth episode. And they have a conversation that reminds me an awful lot of the one between the Doctor and Victoria in Tomb of the Cybermen. Um just this intimate little moment between the two characters and him asking her how she feels about it. And he, he, he does take her feelings into account about it all. Um, the second, you know, the, 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 it definitely feels like the second doctor has a lot of respect for Katarina, um, which is a really, really lovely, uh, it's a lovely thing for the characters to do. Um, so that's really very well done. Setting aside that, it's a lot of fun to hear the two years interact. Um, I know that the first and second Doctors have had multi-Doctor stories, um, you know, with other Doctors, and they're you know they're both in the three Doctors, they're both in the five Doctors, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But this is maybe the one time that we get to hear the two of them interact, you know, side by side. I'm 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 a big fan of taking two doctors, you know, who are right next to each other in the sequence and having them meet because a lot of a lot of the time, you know, doctors are a reaction against their predecessor, um, or it feels that way. Um, maybe that has been deliberate. Maybe it has worked out that way by chance. Um, but when the, with the first and second doctors, it works really well to put those two characters together and have them, like they do, really butt heads. Um, and it's not in the comedic sort of way that the second and third Doctors do. Um, 
there's an actual seriousness to it and it's it it it's pulled off really really well um but you're getting to hear stuff like um Stephen and um I've forgotten her name uh, Stephen and Zoe uh, interacting and that's two characters for, you know who are from the future um can actually work together and it's a lot of fun to hear that happen it works the same way as well with Jamie and Katarina, two characters from the past, um, end up lost in this futuristic city that neither of them are totally familiar with. Now, Katarina has the edge on Jamie there slightly because she has spent more time um, on this colony world with the first Doctor and Stephen. Um, so that's that feels... You know, I, li- I like that pairing up of characters. Um and it's it, it it does slot into the series very well that you can imagine them doing this like it's deliberately pitched as a fifth a fifth uh anniversary uh special. Um it's a lot of fun to imagine that actually did happen. Um it's the perfect story to do for that sort of thing. Um you do get the sort of the as I said, that fan pleasing element of the different characters interacting. You get the Daleks rolling in as the as the main villain. But it's is all underpinned by this story of the Doctor, the two Doctors having an opposing. You know, the second Doctor knows what has to happen to Katarina, and the first Doctor can't accept that. Um, although he ultimately does um, agree to to trust his future self. It's a fantastic story. I'm a really big fan of it. It really sort of gives the second Doctor a chance to do, I guess, emotional stuff, which we never really got all that much on screen, and we haven't really had all that much in another big finish um the second doctor sort of tends to make light of situations and doesn't really take you know seriousness or authority seriously he is the clown whereas in this you know he's genuinely facing up to something that happened not particularly long before his regeneration um and I, i think it's great i think it's such an interesting thing excuse me I think it's such an interesting thing to do with the second Doctor because it's just, it's not the kind of stuff that really gets explored during his era. Um, I suppose the biggest opportunity for big emotional moments with the second Doctor would be um, companion exits. Well, Polly and Ben just kind of go right where off by. Victoria, okay, gets a decent exit in Fury from the Deep. And while I like Jamie and Zoe's exit in the War Games, it's much more focused on the Doctor uh, and the fact that he's about to regenerate than it is saying goodbye to them. It kind of it gets rid of those companions for the sake of getting rid of them. It, uh, you know, there's a quick goodbye scene. The Doctor looks a bit sad. Then there's the they won't remember me, will they? And then kind of snap. That's it. Back to the Doctor's trial, and he's forced to regenerate. So. I think that really this does give us a chance to see a side of the Second Doctor that we just we don't really get anywhere else at all. And I've always sort of argued that um, maybe writers find the second Doctor difficult to write for. I've heard a few sort of suggest as such that it's a very, very difficult character to nail down, probably due to the fact that Patrick Troughton did so much ad-libbing and really, really made the character his own. Um, I, I really think that this this genuinely manages to do something slightly new and slightly different with the second Doctor and does it successfully. Um, 
I guess this kind of links on to the next next item, the last item of discussion in this episode, which is the early adventures. So we've talked about the first Doctor uh, in the past. We've talked about the second Doctor now. Which do you think sort of fares best? Which which Doctor do you think sort of got the best early adventures, Connor? It feels like it's the first Doctor, um, which is a shame because there's a lot of really, really good second Doctor adventures. But just from my own experience of of, of going through these stories um, and from hearing about other people's opinions of the stories as well, I, I think the first Doctor probably did fare the better of the two. Um, whenever I think of the range, it's usually the first Doctor stories I think of. You know, if I run through what I have here on the Big Finish app, it's very heavily weighted in the first Doctor's favour, um, which is a shame because Fraser Hines um, and, 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 you know, uh, the, other, the other companions from that era, they do recapture the rules really, really well. Um, and and there's a, there's a lot of stories that I've put off, you know, getting or listening to because I've heard other people say, oh, it's, 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 you know, I've heard other people's opinions of them and sort of let that color my perception of them. Um, so there's probably a lot of stories I haven't given a fair crack of the whip. Um, when it comes to the second Doctor and the early adventures, um, it's something I need to correct. And if Big Finish would like to put them on sale, I would definitely be in the market for snapping some of them up. Um, but yeah, yeah, it, it, it does feel a shame. I do miss the range an awful lot. It's worth saying as well. Um, as good as much as I've I have enjoyed the second Doctor adventures, I did quite like that the style of the early adventures and having the narration and making it sound like a, a missing episode soundtrack. Um, I do really enjoy Fraser Hines as the second doctor. Um, and it did feel nice to, you know, recapture the era in the way that that did. And the other thing with the second doctor adventures is we are going to get stories with Jamie, but we're not getting stories that fit into the TV series. Um, and I know I'm, I'm, I know I've said recently on, on the show that it's, it's wonderful to push. I know I love the stories that push forward and form their own era, um, and form their own story arcs. And I think the Second Doctor's adventures have have done a really good job of starting that off. Um, I do miss hearing, you know, the Second Doctor Jamie and Zoe, um, you know, getting little adventures dropped in between their existing ones. I do miss that sort of thing as well. Um, it would be lovely if we could have both. <laughs> I mean, as I said at the start, I do think it's a shame that this range isn't there anymore because I think it was, I think it was doing something that we didn't have before. Okay, we had the Companion Chronicles; they were giving us sixties adventures, but they weren't full cast and they weren't sort of recreating, but I guess pushing forward what was done in the era slightly like this. But even though we are, you know, we now have a fully recast first and second Doctor, and I really do like Stephen Noonan, I really do like Michael Trout, and I think they both do excellent jobs. Um, I, I think it's a bit of a shame that, you know, the, the original cast aren't being given really anything to do at the moment. I think of all the regular early adventures cast, the only one that's done anything at Big Finish over the last couple of years would be Maureen O'Brien appearing as not Vicky in a Ninth Doctor adventure, um, and it's that that is kind of a shame. Um, I'd I'd agree with you that the first Doctor 
generally fares better from the early adventures. I think that it's perhaps the first Doctor era is perhaps a bit more coherent. It's a bit more easy to kind of uh, take a style from, particularly sort of seasons one and two, which were very consistent in what they were doing, really. It was almost completely historical sci-fi, historical sci-fi, historical sci-fi. It was minimalistic. It was studio-bound for the most part. It, it, I think it's just a very, very easy era to kind of identify the traits of and successfully recreate with this early adventures format. Whereas the second Doctor, it's, you know, that there was never much consistency throughout the second Doctor's era, whether it be production, whether it be regular characters or anything. There did seem to be a lot of chopping and changing. Admittedly, that inconsistency started in season three, but by then we'd had two very, very solid first Doctor series and that's kind of what the early adventures were picking from um there's also the fact that we got more first doctor early adventures than second doctor quite a few more actually uh we got three series of four adventures for the first doctor whereas there were only two series of four adventures for the second uh one of the second doctor's adventures in uh it, when there were two releases uh, one of them was Daughter of the Gods, which, as we've agreed, is really just as much a First Doctor story as a Second Doctor one. Um, and obviously there was another adver- uh, another set of First Doctor set early adventures after that as well. So there's more First Doctor stuff to be better, for want of a better word, I guess. Um, but I, I still do enjoy a lot of the Second Doctor stuff. And I did, uh, for listening a couple of years ago, bunch all of the Polly, Ben and Jamie stuff together and listen to it as its own coherent season. And it worked really well. And you can do the same with the Jamie and Zoe stuff. There's less of it, but it still it still functions as its own nice little mini season towards the end of season six on TV. Um, but I, I, I honestly think it was a wonderful range. I really, really do miss it. If there was one big finish range I could bring back, it would probably be this one. I'd struggle to think of anything else uh, that I want more of this much. Um, but that's that's one of the uh, the joys and curses of Doctor Who fandom, I guess. We get loads of great stuff, and it, it can't last forever. Um and it may be that in a few years' time when the first and second Doctor box set era stuff has given us more material, we'll be kind of looking back and going, oh, well, actually, maybe the full cast, the recast box set stuff's better. Uh, but for now, I do I do feel as though there's a bit of a gap that the early adventures used to fill. Well, that does appear to be all we have time for, but um, yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed chatting about these, and I'm really glad that we did follow up our first Doctor episode from quite a bit earlier in the year. Was it February, I think, we did it? Uh, so here we are six months later, kind of finally following up on that. And it's sort of really good to chat about these stories. And as I've made abundantly clear, I will always enjoy them and always go back to them. Um, but for now, I will say goodbye to you, Connor. Thank you very much. And we will be back in the not-too-distant future for more podcasting. Goodbye. Goodbye.